You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewart, and as always, I'm with the pretty darn cool Jeff Gargas. Pretty darn cool? Pretty darn cool. I like it. I, I think that's an upgrade from the uh, like pretty okay Jeff Gargas or whatever you usually say. It's really hard to top all the words I used to describe <laughs> you. We're on episode 32, so I'm going to run It's very, diffi- very difficult to describe me. I understand. Well, as all of you know and have listened to our podcast before, we have a lot in store for this episode. We're actually talking to one of my great friends. And so before we get to all the fun, Jeff, how's your day been going? Oh, Ray, my day is going awesome. If it was any better, I'd have to be you at this point. I'm super excited. I love these days where we get to do uh, podcast recordings. Um, I especially love nights like tonight when we get to do multiple of them. We get to start with an awesome educator doing awesome things in her classroom. So I'm super, super excited. Uh, tonight we've got uh, Jessica Lynch or Jessie Lynch. Uh, she's in her fifth year of teaching. She's in Normal, Illinois, out right around you, huh, Ray? She uh, is. And actually in Ray's district, she's a sixth grade math and language arts teacher. Um, and like we said, she is in the Bloomington Normal area. Uh, went to uh, Illinois State University as well. So we know she's awesome because she's in Ray's district. She's in, went to Ray's college. Like she's rocking out there. And I've heard nothing but amazing, amazing things from about you, Jesse. I'm super excited to have you on. So I really appreciate you some, taking some time. We know you've you know, you've been working today, getting things ready for your classroom, everything like that, but you're taking some time out to hang out with us and, and chat a little bit. We really appreciate that. How are you feeling right now? I'm great. Thanks for having me. And what a nice introduction you gave me. Thanks. <laughs> I do what I can, you know, I, I work. <laughs> I would like to clarify for our listeners, though, I don't actually own Illinois State University. While it's my alma mater, it's not like my school that I'm like actually president of at all. So. <laughs> No, but they keep trying to pull you in, don't I, they, right? I, <laughs> I did kind of make it sound like you owned it, huh? Well, I mean, you just always make me sound so important, Jeff. I'm well, like, you're blushing. When you're so, you're as important as you are in my life, it's hard not to do that, right? It really is. So, Jesse, let's focus on you. You're the one that we are featuring and so excited to hear from today. You can leave all the compliments for me, Jeff, later. We can talk later <laughs> after the podcast. Um, I know Jeff gave you a really great little introduction, but we'd love to hear more about you when somebody comes up and says, hey, Jesse, what do you do for a living? What's your typical response? So I usually just say I'm a sixth grade math and language arts teacher. I keep it pretty simple. Um, and usually when I say that, I get one of two responses. I usually get the, oh, good for you. I don't know how you do that. Like, that's so much work. Good for you. You know, I can't believe you can be around those kids all day. It would drive me nuts. And then you get that other response of like, oh, must be nice having summers off. <laughs> and then <laughs> kind of a small-minded, don't really know what it all goes into teaching. Usually it's the first response, which is great. Um, but when I do get those long days, my mom actually gave me this piece of advice or, or reminder of um, that I do a year-long job in nine to ten months. So when you're having those hard days, you kind of remember, oh, yeah, well, I do get some breaks here and there. And that kind of helps offset those crazy long days or weekends. So that was really nice. And I always tell people, no matter what, ups, downs, I love my profession. I love what I do. I would never change it. So 
I love that quote you said that you said, I do a year long job in nine to 10 months. I want to make sure everybody heard that. That is what we do. I love that. I love that as well. And one of the, you know, one of the biggest things that I've really, and I already, already knew this, but working with so many teachers around the country in the last four years have, that I've just been solidified that you guys do a 12, a, a year long job in nine to 10 months, but you actually go way beyond nine or 10 months. It's that constant learning, constant growing, constant tweaking, constant fixing and preparing for it stuff. Like people don't always realize that. So I love that we get to touch on it every now and then and remind everyone that uh, it's, it's not really summers off. Um, well, Jeff, we know that we go to conferences work. all summer long. I mean, how many conferences do you think we go to all summer filled thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of teachers? Right. Yeah, we, right. we did it this past June. It was amazing. We had a, um, literally, the two the first two days uh, we had a school that we worked with I think they were in Ohio we had a two day workshop with them it was the two first days of summer break like they ended on Wednesday or something and we had them Thursday Friday so these teachers it was like twenty something of them chose for their first two days of summer quote unquote break to spend eight hours both days with us training learning something new so that they could work all summer getting ready to put it in their in place in their classroom so um awesome awesome stuff super excited to have you on really really excited to dive into your mind here so let's talk about uh that year-long job that you do in nine to ten months that you've been doing for the last five five years um let's talk about you know there's a lot of challenges that teachers face on a daily basis a lot of ups and downs a lot of unknowns unexpected things that flop fly out of nowhere and so therefore there are a lot of failures and we talk about failure a lot it's not something new that we talk about having to embrace it and having to learn from it and things like that anybody who knows me knows that i talk about it all the time and i say that i've been fortunate enough to fail a lot because i've learned from all of it and it made me who i am today so i want to talk to you about a time that you've failed and a failure you've had kind of take us there with you what happened why was it a failure for you? How did it make you feel? Then how did you overcome that? And what did you take away from it? Um, so I love, Jeff, that you said that we have multiple failures all the time because I really think that's true. Every day, every week, we have some kind of failure, but really that's just a part of our reflection process. And you, know, you always think about your lesson, what went well, what do I need to improve for next time? Um, and so I really love thinking through all that. But one that stood out to me, a failure I had during my first year of teaching, which I think a lot of us have failures in that first year, a lot going on, <laughs> was uh, was my um, students took a math test, and overall they did fairly poorly on it. And so I'm at home grading them. I'm pretty upset, you know, thinking, well, what could I have done better? Did I teach this poorly? Did they not study? Did they, you know, maybe not care? I don't know, maybe all of the above. Um, but it was, it was hard seeing, you know, them not really getting it. Um, so I thought, well, next day I will talk to them and kind of give them a chance to, um, give me feedback on how they felt, what could they have done better. And I think that was great in theory, but in actuality, <laughs> that, that's not how it really went. So it became a lot more of a, um, blame game of, well, you should have done this. Oh, well, well, did you do that? And, um, it, it just kind of went more negative than I was hoping for it to. And I kind of ended up regretting bringing it up altogether. Um, so I think my intentions were good there. But being a first year teacher, I think um, I took things too personally. I think it created a defensive situation for them and me, where we felt like we had to, you know, defend why what happened happened. Um, 
So learning about that, going through that not so good experience, I definitely figured out better ways to approach that with students when something doesn't go wrong or I feel like I could have done something better or I want to hear their voice on something that maybe they could have improved on. I feel like I've learned a better approach and I definitely would have totally done it differently. I would have done like a individual self-reflection, given them a chance to think through their response, give me a chance to think through what they wrote and, and not so in the moment about it. So it definitely helped um, going through that to learn better ways to approach in the future and and try and do a more constructive and positive approach with hearing from our students. I love that story, you know, because so many times those little failures are like just little signs that it might not be a total failure, but it's something where we look at and they just kind of point us in the direction of here's a tweak we need to make next time. Here's another way to do that. Here's a a, a better way to fix that, even if it wasn't a fall flat on your face kind of a thing. It was a, how do I adjust? And it's just, uh, I've talked before about how the little failures along the way are sort of like road signs. Um, and if you're not paying attention to them, not seeing them, you're a good chance you're going to go by it and miss your turn, right? And you're going to miss that, that opportunity to to turn off or stay straight or whatever it might be to to go the right direction. So really cool story. I love it. So so now let's let's flip it. Let's talk about a success now. This could be something that's big or small, um, whatever it is, but tell us what happened, why it was a successful moment for you, and then what did you take away from that? For sure. How we fail on a regular basis, I think. Um, we definitely succeed on a, on a daily basis too, which is great, so that we get both sides of it where we're reflecting on what could be better, what you know, did we do well. So the one thing that I've had a major success with, and I, I know Ray knows where I'm going with this, but implementing the grid method which you guys talk so much about. I've done that in my classroom this year. I am like so excited about it. It's it's the new thing that I'm like all about. Um, so I just bit my toes in this year by only doing integrated math class, but I definitely plan on doing it next year with all my math classes. And I, I just, what I love so much about it is that I'm reaching kids at all levels. And almost more importantly, the, the higher kids, the en- enrichment level, because down with the the lower level kids and how to reteach them, which is obviously very, but um, reaching those kids that are sitting there on board next, you know, I'm done already. I love that the grid method allows you to have that built in already for them. And it really puts the enrichment on them. You give them, you know, the topic, the idea, and then they can run with it. And that's been so cool to see. And um, it's just amazed me learning or uh, figuring out what skills they can do other than just math, how it's teaching them life skills that they're going to use the rest of their lives with pacing themselves during class and um, how to get their work done, how to challenge themselves and not just do the bare minimum. And if they don't understand something, how to take their time and dive in deeper with it. So it's been really cool trying that out and I'm excited to go further with it. Jesse, I love your focus on that because for me, that was a huge transition journey that I took just a few years before you, because you're identifying that most teachers, most successful, you know, I'm using quotes of like, none of you can see my air quotes. Most (laughs) successful teachers can, can reach the majority or most of their students, right? There's always like the five to 10% at the top that really needed the enrichment, but maybe you just didn't have time to plan it, or maybe you didn't even know they needed the enrichment. And then you have the five to the 10% on the low end who just weren't ready for that information and needed it to be scaffolded in a different way, needed more support. And overall, I think teachers get in that like 
80% student success is like, okay, that's good enough. And I really think that there's a, an important moment for us as progressive teachers need to identify why are we settling for a B minus, right? Like why aren't we setting higher goals for ourselves like we set for our students to really ensure that we're reaching all of our students and that realization that I need to figure out how to do that and, you know, utilizing just like you did, right? Utilizing the grid method to try and reach all my learners. It's so exciting to hear about how you've gone through this journey, having having literally been there in the exact same spot right. just a few years before. Yeah, definitely. And it's so cool to how it, it will change too. So I feel like you get to really see which kids um, need what for which unit. You know, it doesn't, it's not always the same kids like you might be, but it's not always the same kids that need the extra help or need the above and beyond, you know, it kind of changes. And I think they set new goals for themselves, each unit, each grid that you give them. You know, I've had kids at the beginning who were kind of, oh, I'll just make sure I get to level three, do the bare minimum. And now they're really striving like, oh, I want to get to level four, level five. And they're really pushing themselves. So it's cool to see how that changes over time for them and how you kind of re-energize them, rejuvenate their learning. Absolutely. And something that I know our viewers may not know, but Jesse and I, especially working so close, we actually teach the same content. So we're both uh, sixth grade math teachers. I know you also teach uh, ELA as well, but uh, we've been actually planning our grids together. And while I love the grid method, I do recognize that teaching is effort. Teaching requires work. And so to be able to partner with the teacher that's also problem solving through even the same things, me being, quote unquote, a few years ahead of you and practicing this, we've brainstormed so many ideas that's been so helpful, which is actually something I was also doing with the teachers in our uh, we have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group called Teach Better Team. If a listener, if you guys are not in there, get in there because the discussions happening on going on are so valuable. And I've learned so much from you, Jesse, having these conversations about how we can better support our students. Definitely. I felt the same way. And and being able to, like you and I have said virtually the same things. And we, I know it sounds like this is fake, but it's not. We, you know, when we meet, we'll, we'll bring up something randomly and we're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly the same thing. I mean, we had the same mini lesson came up in the same week one time and we were like, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about that. And that just happened to be what both of our groups of students needed. So it was just, it's been great having that to remind yourself you know, okay, it's not just me. It's not like Ray's got this perfect and I'm, you know, struggling over here. It's, it's been nice learning that stuff together. And, you know, no matter how many years you've been working on it, it's always something new and it's always things to problem solve. So, yeah, it's been wonderful working together on that. Yeah, the reflection has been awesome. Jeff, just so you know, I've been blocking like two or three hours to meet with Jesse. I only really need an hour, but we spend like an hour or two just like reflecting and reminiscing on the week. It's like <laughs> therapy. <laughs> Yep. I love it. Well, I have to say, Jesse, you're working on so many things in your classroom. I love that you took this leap to try a progressive tactic, a mastery framework in your classroom. It's been awesome seeing your growth and then your goals for next year. And that just gets me so excited. I love hearing about teachers trying new things, taking the risk. And similar to your story before, you know, talking about failure with your students, talking about, okay, this didn't work. And now you know how to approach those conversations with your students. Can you help me problem solve how to do this more effectively, even just next week? You know, how can we keep this reflection going? So outside of all that fun stuff, what else is getting you excited about education these days? So aside from the grid method, because clearly I'm excited about that, 
Um, I've also, you know, I know it's really popular right now, all the talk around restorative practices, but I really think that that goes back to my failure moment because I totally could have, you know, done that differently and maybe even done a circle instead of, um, you know, bringing that more casually, do it a little more purposefully. So I love all the restorative practices um, out and I haven't really done a lot as far as outside of just hearsay and, and like what other people have been doing and trying to kind of do it myself. But I do really love all the restorative practices and strategies there. Um, and then kind of along with that, I've learned a little bit more about mindfulness strategies to use, kind of those calming, taking the five minutes to regroup and um, different ways to approach that. So I haven't learned a lot about that yet, but I've been talking with my school improvement team, our small group's been working on that a little bit. So I think that goes hand in hand with the restorative practices. And I think that's a lot of what particularly our middle schoolers need right now in this, in our world, the way they're growing up, they just really need to like calm down and, and relax and be heard and be more a part of the learning. So all that's been really cool to learn a little bit more about. So I'm excited to do more with that. Well, and Jesse, what I love about your focus is you first originally started about the grid method, talking about allowing students to go at their own pace, have permission to have ownership over their learning, then transitioning to restorative justice and mindfulness. I mean, talk about making your classroom student focused. You're not just delivering content, expecting them to soak it all in like a sponge, but allowing students to experience content, do it at their own pace, and then really take the time to focus on your language talking to students. How can you make them more aware of their learning experience and how can you communicate more effectively with them? I think that's all tied in and really important for any classroom that's striving to be student focused. I was going to ask you, I know we have a blog on restorative practices, but do you mind sharing a little bit about what you know about what restorative practice is or what mindfulness is for maybe a listener that doesn't know those terms? Sure. Um, so restorative practices um, mainly try and give a voice to both the kind of party who instigated, I guess I'll use that term, and versus the party who's kind of the, the victim or the one who got hurt. And so um, one thing I learned recently were the five questions you're supposed to ask. I, I don't have them all memorized right at the moment, but there's just um, kind of more of a, a purposeful way to ask certain questions to give both the party um, who instigated and the party who feels like the victim a voice. And so it's trying to focus on um, creating those relationships between you and the student and then um, also between student and student and just approaching that differently rather than just having the discipline where, you know, they're just doing time and there's no connection to what needs to change or, um, you know, just how to improve the situation. It's kind of just, you did this bad thing, so here's the time. So restorative practices tries to focus on well, why is that the consequence? Or maybe there's not this kind of consequence. Maybe it's more we need to build the relationship. Um, and then mindfulness kind of focuses on de-escalating the situation. So there's tactics where, um, for example, I know we had an institute where we made these like glitter jars in the mason jar and you were supposed to like kind of um, watch it turn back and forth and, and have breathing go along with it. I don't know everything about it. So um, I know that some of those strategies of, kind of taking a moment to focus on something else and control your breathing and some of those things can help regain uh, the student's focus and your focus, honestly. Sometimes it's more for the teacher, so it kind of goes both ways. Um, but those kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, to show that we're not just here to learn and and, and um, 
like move through the material, we have to be ready to move through the material. So I think those restorative practices and mindfulness kind of allow that to happen, allow the learning to happen rather than just try and force it. So that's kind of the approach. Yeah, I love that. I think that really focuses on the main components. If you're a teacher out there looking to find more effective ways to communicate with your students, build those relationships, even during the hard times, restorative practice is a great avenue for you to go explore. And if you want to help your students really hone in on understanding their learning, calming themselves down, I mean, mindfulness is a huge element. And I love how you added in for the teachers there because, you know, teachers need mindfulness. That's really important. These are not just strategies that we utilize in our classrooms. We can utilize them in our entire life, right? A whole balanced lifestyle that we're trying to create. So Jesse, I know that you're about five years in your career and I want you to think back to your first few years, uh, whether it be as a new teacher, maybe you were working in a different building, but what are the things that you feel like our teachers entering into the field early in their career really need to know? What's one piece of advice that you want to make sure that they take away with them as they continue forward towards a really successful education career? Sure. So there's obviously a lot that come to mind, but the first one and the one that I try and remind myself of is allow yourself permission. And that could mean in a lot of different situations. It could be allow yourself permission to make that mistake. Um, allow yourself permission to try something new. It's okay to take the time to do what you need to do, whether that's personal or whether it's something for your classroom. You know, you have to remember to take your, care of yourself and allow yourself that permission that, you know, sometimes you think you need permission from someone else and really it's yourself that's holding your, holding you back. So if you give yourself that permission to just be a little more free with your choices, that can really help. So, um, I, I think that's one of the best things I can tell first year or early on teachers to give yourself permission to do what you need to do, whatever you think is best for your students. Hey everyone, while we take a quick break, I wanted to make sure I mentioned how impactful the GRID method has been in my educational career. If you are a teacher looking to reach more students, I promise you, you can listen to every podcast in the world and participate in any Twitter chat, but the GRID method is the step that I needed to take to really ensure I was reaching all my students. So if you're interested in learning more, there's a free course, there's a full course, and everything in between, head over to teachbetter.com and find more details. I think that's some of the best advice anyone can give a first-year teacher or anyone, really, at this point. Uh, really great advice. Love it. Um, so now we're going to have a little bit of fun, Jesse. We're going to do the next six questions. You have 15 seconds or less to answer each. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? Seesaw. What is a book that you're reading right now? I'm sorry. I don't read. I don't like it. <laughs> How about do you do audiobooks or podcasts? Um. You know, I do more like Facebook and videos I see on there. All right. What's a, what's a, do you have someone that you follow on Facebook or videos you like to go to? I'm going to get something out of you. Um, she obviously listens to Teach Better Talk. I mean, yeah. Honestly, that's cheesy, but that is really what I would, (laughs) I would say. I I follow a lot of different teachers on there, you know, Ray, and then a lot of people from the Teach Better team and in that Facebook group. So yeah, that's. That's mainly what I look at. <laughs> I'll take it. So who do we need to follow on Twitter today? Again, cheesy answer, but Mastery Chat. I love seeing them on Twitter. If so fo- if follow the hashtag, hashtag Mastery Chat. Mm-hmm. Love it. And what's the what's the best uh, YouTube channel for educators? 
I think Edutopia, they have a lot of good videos and sometimes short videos. A lot of great stuff. What is one daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into? I think I said it a lot, but daily reflections and goal setting, not just for the students, but for teachers both. Absolutely. And what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? You can't do it all yourself. That's why you have a team. Love it. I think she nailed it, Ray. I think Definitely she did 15 too. seconds or less. Yes. I love your advice, Jessica. You can't do it all yourself. That's why you have a team. I think that's a huge element that some teachers don't understand. Do you have to go get support? You're not supposed to be able to do it all by yourself. That's so important to reach out to people, grow your network. Definitely. That's why Ray has me here. <laughs> I might have the most important question of the podcast recording. So I do have to say, I want people to make sure they connect with you. And I know you haven't necessarily jumped onto Twitter, Instagram yet. I know you're, you know, still doing um, some things that you're not posting and sharing with teachers. And I'm going to keep encouraging you to do that. But for people listening to this recording that want to make sure they can connect with you, keep learning from you, what's the easiest way for people to keep this conversation going? Sure. Honestly, Facebook and email. So you can just uh, search Jesse Lynch and I'm in well I guess you can't be a part of the group but if you're um, team group on Facebook you can um, see me there um, I'm friends with Ray but then also my email lynchj at unit5.org that's my school one and then personally Lynch 16 at gmail.com those are the quickest ways to get a hold of me and chat and the first thing you said Jesse, Jesse was to, to connect with the Teach Better team group and get in there is that what you said you cut out just a if second you- yeah, if you are okay. in there, you can um, see me in there, or you can just Google my name, Jesse Lynch. Awesome. Yeah, and to get in that group, guys, just go to uh, Facebook and search Teach Better Team. We'll get you in there, and then you can you can connect with Jesse and keep the conversation going. So great. And you know everything. You can find all the links and all the resources, everything we've talked about in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as those really important links for how to connect with Jesse. So make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate that as well. Jesse, really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and chatting with us, hanging out with us, having some fun. We really appreciate it a whole lot. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I was so glad to be a part of this. Awesome. And until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better.